All right, here's what we're going to do. We've been kind of in a series uh, on Sunday mornings on sharing our faith, sharing our faith. Say that with me. Sharing our faith. Sharing our faith. Uh, praying for Bob, uh, praying for uh, a burden, praying for an opportunity, praying for boldness. And, and man, I'm telling you, I'm hearing some really exciting stories. People are telling me they're sharing their faith and what God's doing there. And so we're kind of in between books right now. We finished the book of Colossians. We did uh, uh, Philemon last week. And uh, so this week, I want to kind of n- not introduce a new book, but stay with the series we've been dealing with on Sunday and uh, just to kind of encourage you and try to motivate you too. remember, I said I was going to beg with you. I was going to plead. I was going to do I was going to bribe and I was going to guilt trip you. Say amen. And so I'm trying my best to do everything I can to, to help motivate you to learn and find out how to share your faith, how to share your story and share God's story. So we're going to stay with that uh, here on Wednesday night. And tonight we're going to talk about being a witness, being a witness. Now it's going to be a little different uh, than what we normally do as a Bible study on Wednesday night. We're going to, we're going to do an acrostic with the word witnesses and, uh, and it's going to be real fun. We're going to learn a lot tonight and be encouraged tonight. So I hope you will uh, be encouraged, but let's look in, in Acts chapter number eight in verse number 26, verse number 26. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, arise and go toward the South unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza which is desert. And he arose and went and behold, what's the next two words? Amen. Amen. Say that with me. Amen. Amen. Of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He read Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I except, what's the next two words? Say it again. Some man man should guide me. So we have a man. Now we have some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. The place of the scripture, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before shears, so so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of, next three words, say it again. So in verse number 27, we have a man. Verse 31, we have some man. In verse 34, we have some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That's a very good answer. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at 
uh, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities, going up the coast there, uh, passing, preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful for your mercy, your kindness. Lord, we're so grateful for forgiveness. Uh, We fail you so many times and so often. And Lord, we are so glad that your mercies are new every morning. I pray right now that you will fill us with your spirit tonight. I pray that you will fill our minds with the knowledge of your word. I pray that you will challenge us, convict us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we'll be committed to following you in the Great Commission. And God will praise you and thank you. Don't let me say, please, Lord, help me. Anoint my mind and my heart. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me kind of give you, uh, <clears throat> let me kind of give you a, little, a little preview or uh, uh, just an update in this chapter so you can have a, a more fuller understanding about what we're talking about tonight. Uh, we, know, we know that when Jesus ascended back up into heaven that he gave the great commission. He told uh, them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How many of y'all believe that? Say amen. amen. It is the great commission. It is, not, it is not a suggestion. It is a commission. And I'm afraid it's been become the great omission. It's probably the, the one command that Jesus has given that has been ignored and been neglected more than any other command in the Bible. What is the greatest danger to Christianity? What did we say? The silent silent Christian, the silent Christian. And so we have a great commission. We have a call. We have uh, uh, the word, the command given us to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Acts chapter one, verse number eight tells us this, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be, ye shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses. We find that in Acts chapter one, verse number eight. You shall be witnesses to me in Judea, Samaria, uh, or uh, listen to the uttermost parts of the earth from right here, right here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. All right. Now, so they, they, the, the apostles are preaching, they're teaching, people are getting saved. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people are becoming believers. Uh, then, then we learn that, that persecution arises. They kill Stephen. They take Stephen and stone him. And now they begin to persecute Christians and, and Saul rises up. Now we know he eventually becomes Paul, but he's a, he's an unbeliever in the beginning. He's very religious and he begins to persecute the church literally to the point of ripping it to shreds. That's what the terminology is using describing what Paul was doing as an, a wild animal would mangle its prey. That's what he did. He was going into homes and pulling people out, taking them to prison because they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the persecution, People begin to scatter. People begin to scatter. Jesus said that we're the salt of the earth. Well, the salt shaker got to be shaken. Amen. God had to shake things up to get the salt out of the shaker into the uh, uttermost that where they were called to go in the beginning. So what we have here is Philip. Philip is one of, if we'll go back, I, I, I hope some of y'all remember when we studied the book of Acts, Philip was one of those who was chosen to help feed the, the, the Hellenistic widows there in Jerusalem. How many of y'all remember that? 
Everybody remember that? You remember when they were arguing, saying their, their widows were being neglected, and, and so they chose certain men? This was Philip. He was one of them. Well, when the persecution arose after Stephen was stoned, uh, they were scattered. They began to go everywhere. And the, and the great thing is, the Bible says they begin to go everywhere preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. They, t- they took what they had and they went. All right? Philip is one of these. He goes to Samaria. He goes to Samaria and he begins to preach. He begins to see people saved. So let's, let's go back and look at verse 5. I believe it's verse 5. Let's check this out for a minute by way of intro and then we'll jump into the chapter. Then Philip, if you're there at verse 5, say amen. amen. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in the city. So, so let's look at this. Uh, let's call this, let's call this proclamation evangelism. Okay? Proclamation. He preached the gospel. That means to herald, to proclaim. All right? Let's, let's say that. Everybody say that. Proclamation evangelism. Say it with me. All right, one more time, real, real loud, Fairview. Help me now. Help me. Let's say it real loud. That means you go into a town square, you jump up on the bench, and you preach to all. Jesus is the Savior. Amen. Uh, I was about to say turn or burn, but we don't want to do that. We'll learn that here in just a minute. There's a lot of people do that and cause more offense than they win anybody. So, but basically he went to the city and is proclaiming to the crowds, to the crowds. There's a lot of evangelism that can be done to crowds. Are y'all with me? I'm kind of proclaiming the gospel tonight. We have a crowd here. There are people that puts up tents and invites tons of people. Churches from all over the area will will try to invite all their lost friends and family to come to this revival, come to this meeting. That would be called proclamation evangelism. It's what we do. It's what we do when I ask you to take an invite, take an invite into the community and invite them to come. And then I will tell them about Jesus from here. One person preaching to a crowd is... Come on now. And it was effective. It was effective. Many believed. Many believed. He was, he was able to, God gave him the ability to heal certain people. Uh, there was great joy in the city. It was awesome. It was awesome. Things were going great. Now, who in the world would want to leave something like that to go speak to one person? One person. Well, that's God's intention. You see, in those verses, we learn about proclamation evangelism. And I'm, I'm tickled to death with that. I, I love, you know, we've had several over the years, we've had several big events here at Temple where we pack this building out multiple times on a weekend, up to five 5,000 people. And many, many in a crowd heard the gospel and received Christ as their Savior. And that's great. That's great. But God shows us another Another method, if you will, another way uh, that we need to really pay attention to. Now, now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all would, uh, would uh, 
If we had this place packed, jammed to the gills, I'm talking about 5,000 people on a weekend, how many of y'all would get up there and proclaim the gospel to them? Get up and preach a sermon. Okay, we got a couple brave souls. I see it when I believe it, though. <laughs> or believe it when I see it. And then some people could. Some people wouldn't, wouldn't have no problem. But they look real different from this side. Matter of fact, it scares me to death, to be honest with you. I got to pray real hard and ask God to really touch me before I walk out on that platform. But the point is, I'm trying to make everybody can't do that. But what we're going to learn tonight, we all can do this. Everybody can't do proclamation evangelism, but everybody can do what we're going to learn. That's personal evangelism. Say it with me. Everybody with, with Fairview, real out at Fairview, help me now. We're going to learn how to do personal evangelism. Now, here's, here's what we need to see and understand. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter number 2, verse 47, I believe. I believe it's verse 47. Uh, uh, somebody check that. Willie G, I ain't going to say any name, but Willie G, make sure. Look at verse 47. Isn't verse 47 where it says God added to the church daily such as should be saved? Am I right on that? Uh, okay, somebody done check. Okay, verse 47, Acts 2, 47. Acts 2 is when thousands were saved, when the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And the Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread. And, and, and God's grace was on them. They met and they ate together. They fellowship. They would pray. God, I mean, it was just an incredible thing. And one of the most incredible things is in that verse 47, God added to the church daily, daily. daily. Now, uh, this past Sunday, we've we seen several people saved. We've seen several people saved. But the way God wants it done, he wants them saved on Sun and Mun and Twos and y'all getting the point? Now, there's a problem. With most of our mentalities, just because of what we've been raised with and think of, we think only people can get saved at the church. That's not, that's not even close to being biblical. You see, in the New Testament, they got saved at the creek and at the market and in the home. And then they would gather on Sunday to celebrate and teach those that got saved on Mon and Tuesday. And wins. Y'all with me? Now, the only way this is going to take place, the only way this is going to take place that God added to the church daily is if we leave here and take what we get here to them out there. Does that make sense? You see, God is all about proclamation evangelism and God will touch a crowd and God will touch a man of God to be able to preach with power and see people saved. But God wants every individual child of God to know that they have a command, that they have a commission, they have a responsibility. God wants to touch each person, but you shall receive. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Are we all on the same page? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we're supposed to be witnesses. Come on, y'all didn't, didn't sound too convincing to me. Look at your neighbor and say, we're supposed to be witnesses. 
Okay. Now let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. We have a great, we have a great opportunity. We have a great opportunity to see this done in living color. You see, God called a man from the crowd and sent him for one person. He said, I'm glad you're doing, I'm glad you're doing proclamation evangelism, but I need you to do a little personal evangelism. Amen. And by the way, if a man is too big that he can't leave the crowd and go to the one, I don't even want to hear nothing he's got to say. If the only time he evangelizes is when he's on a platform behind a pulpit, he ain't got nothing I want to hear. Amen. Amen. Amen, Travis. That's right. If he can't go into the highways and the hedges, somebody say amen. Amen. Okay, so let's look at it. Let's look at it. Y'all ready? This is exciting. I done used way too much time in the intro. We're going to have to hurry. We ain't going to get done. Amen. W. W, we're going to look at an acrostic. We're going to take that word witnesses and kind of give us a a truth out of each one of those. Okay. If we're going to be witnesses, if we're going to make an impact in personal evangelism, the first thing I want you to write down, the first thing I want you to write, well, let's look at the verse first. Let's look at the verse first. I put them right there underneath each one of them. So we don't have to spend all the time looking, but it's there. Acts 8, 26 and the angel of the Lord. Okay, let me, let's try it again. And the angel of the Lord saying, arise and go. Okay, Acts 8, 29. Acts 8, 29. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near. So two different times, God moved him. God spoke to him. God instructed him, if you will. Are y'all with me? So if we're going to be effective in personal evangelism, First of all, W means there's got to be a willingness to be led by the spirit. There's got to be a willingness to be led by the spirit. Now, one of the first things we, not one of the first thing we learn in DMD, disciples making disciples, de ache de discipulos haciendos discipulos. For my family right here. Amen. Yeah, I'm learning too. I'm learning. I was able, I, well, I, I didn't quote it, but I, I said my whole story in Spanish after I read it. And now I'm learning to memorize it. So I need y'all's prayers. <clears throat> How'd I do? Cesar, did I do okay? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, what we learn in DMD is this. The most important thing we start with, number one, is being led by the Holy Spirit. Being Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now in your, in your notes, you'll find the verse that says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled. filled. Say it with me, but be filled. filled with the Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Those two, he said drunk with wine on purpose. He, he, he wasn't thinking, he didn't put that there because he thought all Christians were uh, drunk alcoholics. He used that as an illustration. When you're drunk with wine, you're under the influence. That means, that means what you say, that they won't say, oh, that's not Henry. That's the alcohol talking, right? That means that the alcohol is influencing what he's saying. The alcohol is influencing what he's doing. How many of y'all know meek and mild men turn into Superman after a few drinks? And it ain't legit. 
It's the alcohol talking, right? That means the alcohol is influencing what he's saying, what he's doing, his behavior. And so he puts that here. Don't be influenced by the alcohol, but be filled, be influenced, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, the only way, and by the way, this is not just for witnessing. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to lead our families. We need, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to deal with teenagers. Say amen. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit not to kill somebody at Walmart. Y'all with me? How are we going to be Christians? How are we going to act like Christians? How are we going to behave like Christ? Is to be filled with his spirit, to be controlled by his spirit. And we have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. We got to be willing to be submitted. And the only way he's going to lead you if you let him. And we're going to learn. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm praying. I'm praying to God. All of y'all will come to the training because I'm going to teach you how to do this. We have to submit to him. In DMD, we learn to we learn to submit to the Holy Spirit and say, God, today I surrender. Before you ever leave your house today, I surrender to your direction. I surrender to your commands. I surrender. You lead me. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to say. What does that look like? That looks like this. This is what it looks like. In real life, this is what it looks like. You're going out of Walmart and there's somebody sitting on a park bench and God says, stop and talk to him. Maybe give him a my story track. Maybe invite this person to church. Maybe it's as simple as, hey, help that person put their groceries in their car. Help that person at Sands with that big box struggling. Help him pick it up. It may give you an opportunity to tell him about Jesus. Amen. And it may be just as simple as this. Driving through the church parking lot and there's a piece of trash on the, on the ground and you drive by it and the Holy Spirit said, you really going to drive past that piece of garbage? Don't ask me how I know that illustration. Oh, the Holy Spirit don't care about that. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't the devil that told me to go back and pick that paper up. It might have been just as simple as the Holy Spirit saying, I wonder if he's going to obey me. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just there to help you do something great. He's helped you to do everything. But you got to be willing to submit. You got to be willing to follow He will lead if we are willing to. And you know what? That was a cool thing about Philip. He said, arise and go. You know what he did? He rise and went. Well, that's not real good English, is it? He rose and went. Amen. He arised and went. No. I'm sorry. I had a really good cheeseburger tonight. Amen. It was great. So what's W? Come on, everybody. Willingness. That's important. Nothing else I tell you tonight will matter if you're not going to be willing to listen and follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Watch this. Watch this. What's the next letter? Let's look at the verse. Let's look at the verse. Acts 8, 27. After, after 8, 26, where the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go. Look at verse 27. And he, come on, and he, after the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go near in Acts 29, in Acts 30 it says, And Philip, I mean, he didn't just go, he ran. Are y'all with me? So what do we see? Not only do we see a willingness to be led by the Spirit, but we see an, an immediate response. 
an immediate response. Somebody, somebody read to me that sentence right after Acts 8.30 in your notes. Oh, we only got five people that have a note. Come on, everybody say it real loud. Mm. John chapter 9, Jesus speaks, I must, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I, I take from that that Jesus was not for procrastination. James 4.14 says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Well, preacher, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. You know, in the Old Testament it says, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. I believe it's in Ecclesiastes. Do it with thy might, for there's no power. There's no, in other words, nothing in the grave. The only way you're going to be able to do anything is now. That's why it says today is the day of salvation. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, immediately respond. Immediately respond. Here's, here's, here's why this is important. <clears throat> there was a bridge. <clears throat> there was a bridge that we would jump off of in Fort Pierce, Florida. Uh, we would, <laughs> I don't recommend this, but it was, it was real high. It was real high. Uh, I-95, Interstate I-95 went across this canal and we would run and jump up on the interstate and run up the bridge and then, and then there was, when we first did it, we was kind of nervous about it so there was a pillar below the top and we would let ourselves down on that pillar and then jump off the pillar because it was just a little lower than the bridge. Well, the only thing was, if you let yourself down, there was no way to get back up. You had to jump. Well, me and my brother, we, we were kind of, you know, we wasn't as courageous as my dumb cousin. And my dumb cousin, he was just an idiot. So that, you know, uh, uh, Mark, if you're watching, I apologize. <clears throat> well, he goes up and drops down and he's there. And the more he thinks about it, the scareder he got. And then I said, there ain't no way. He's no, come back up here and pull me up. No. And I mean, he just, it, it was all, he all was about in tears till he finally jumped. Well, then we had to go do it and we learned, you know, and eventually we would just go run and just dump off the top after we'd done it a few times. But we learned this. If you're going to do it, you better do it. Don't think about it. If God, now watch this, this is important. If God tells you to do something, there's nothing to think about. I've heard, this is the funniest thing ever. It's not really funny. It makes me mad when I think about it, but you, you'll see some, a command in the Bible and you'll hear somebody say, well, I'm going to pray about that. What's to pray about? He commanded you to do it. He, he, he told you in the word to do it. There's not, you don't have to pray about it. It's already there. And why should there be an immediate response to what God's telling you to do? Because the longer you think about it, the harder it will be to do. How many y'all, how many y'all are good at talking yourself out of something? Holy Spirit says, talk to him. He probably don't want me to. That dude's just minding his own business. I'll just be in his way. He's probably got COVID anyway. (laughs) 
Do I have a witness? Now, now let's do a survey. Let's do a survey. Don't leave me up here like this. Don't leave me up here like this. Let's do a survey. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Immediate response. Say it with me. He didn't say, are you sure, Lord? I don't have time. No. As soon as he said it, he did it. Delayed obedience. Say it with me. Delayed obedience. Is disobedience. Is disobedience. All right. What's the next one? Oh, we got to hurry, guys. We've we got to hurry. Got two pages and, and we got 31 minutes. All right. What's W? All right, now, the quicker y'all go, you remember, immediate response is what I need. All right, here we go. W. The whole thing. You ready? One more time. There we go. I. All right. T. Look what it says. Acts 8.30. Acts 8.30. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And he said, turn or burn. Did he say that? Hell or heaven? No. He said, hey, man, do you understand what you read? Do you understand what you read? What's he doing? He's taking a tactful approach. A tactful approach. Now, I appreciate, I appreciate any effort that anybody does to try to get the gospel to somebody. I do. And I'm not going to be critical. I try my best. I don't want to be critical of anybody. They may not be doing what I'm doing and I might not would do what they do, but I, I, don't, I try my best to be very, very careful to be critical of somebody else's method. But there are some methods that have driven more people away from God than has brought people to God. There are people, listen, the Bible says, the Bible says that a man offended, a brother offended, I believe is what the verse says. It's right there in your notes. A brother offended is harder to be one than a. Yes. Yes. What's the, what's the point? We can be, we can take the gospel and give it in a way that's not offensive. We can, we can be kind and we can be Christ-like. Jesus wasn't a jerk. And there are a lot of Jesus jerks around this country. But Jesus was never a jerk. Well, how do you know that? Because he was very attractive. And I don't mean in looks. I'm talking about wherever he went, he attracted publicans and sinners. Hardcore sinners. And they loved him and they loved being around him. You can't tell me he was what I've seen a lot of people be to sinners. We can be careful. We can be tactful. You say, what's the first step in being tactful? How about this? Smile. I, you know what? There are some people that are real legalistic, real, real legalistic. And you can tell them. You can tell the legalistic crowd who thinks they're holier than thou because they look like the grumpiest people on the planet. They do. They never look happy. They think the more miserable you are, the more spiritual you are. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. 
Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. They don't have no joy. We can smile. We can be happy. We can be careful what we say and how we say it. He said, hey, do you understand what you read? He didn't say you're going to bust hell wide open if you don't listen to what I'm telling you. He didn't say turn or burn. He said he was tactful. He was careful. Does everybody understand this point? Say amen. Amen. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. So W, say W, we have I T. Now watch this. This is really good. Notice a personal interest. Verse 31. The Ethiopian said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or some other man. Philip joined right in to where he had an interest. Now, how do we apply that today? How do we apply that today? We got to show interest in the person we're trying to reach. Now, a lot of this stuff you're going to learn in the, in the training on Sunday evening, but, but you're going to learn this, that, that we have to have genuine interest in people. Brother Dave Gibson, when he came, man, there was one thing that stood out about him to me above everything. He truly was interested and cared about people. It didn't matter who the people were. It didn't matter if they were a staunch Muslim flying in a plane above Iraq or if it was a homosexual who was married to another man or, or a, a, a woman who was a, a, a person of the street. He didn't care who they were. He didn't care their background. He was genuinely interested in their soul and loved them and cared about them. And it shows in everything he did and everything he said. And you know what? If we show people we're interested in them, we care about them. Hey, I'm interested in you. Hey, where are you from? Are you from Coleman? No, I'm not from Coleman. Hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm from, really? How long have you been in Coleman? Do you like Coleman? I met uh, uh, Mariam. Mariam. I said the name wrong the other day, and Kenya had to fix it when we went and met him up there. And, and Mariam has been here just a few months and she's from uh, Medellin, Colombia, and doesn't hardly know people, kind of miss home. And, 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 and I said, it, it, you like it here? Uh, got the look. She said, Medellin is so big. It's a big city. And Coleman's small. And you could, you could tell. Listen, some of the times I'm afraid that we're so interested in ourselves. We don't take the time to show interest in others. And, and Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? What can I do to help you? I can show you what you, you see what I'm saying? He showed interest in him. If we're ever going to win people, and keep this in mind, sometimes we may have to win people to ourselves before we can win them to Jesus. And, 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 and you're not going to win very many people to yourself if you're a grumpy person. I'm careful right there. Remember a brother offended. I won't offend you because I'm trying to get you to do this. So show interest. 
care about them. Isn't that what Jesus did? He met them wherever they was. That was the coolest thing about Jesus and his evangelism style. He just met people right where they were. Wherever they was, that's where, that's where he went to where they were and met them in their interest and led them to their need. Led them to their need. Remember what he told the, the woman at the well? She's coming there to get what? Water. You know what he offered her? Water where she had never thirst again. Well, my goodness, yes, sir, let me get. You see what he did? He met her at her interest. But what did he eventually do? Led her to where she needed to be in knowing and understanding who the true Messiah was. All right? That means you may have to talk about somebody's grandchild before you can talk about Jesus. And now that I have one, I have no problem with that. Say amen, grandparents. Bless God, we're a great bunch of people. Amen. Some of y'all need to loosen up just a little bit. You'll get one one day. All right. W. Okay, let's try this together. Here we go. W. I. T. N. All right. E. Explain the gospel verbally. Explain the gospel verbally. Let's look what he did. Now I'm going to go back and read in in my Bible because I only put that one verse there, but I need to read it uh, up ahead so that you can see what happened. Philip comes to this man and this man is curious. He has just come from, just come from Jerusalem. Uh, He's, he's curious He's a, he's a God fearer. Most likely, most likely if you do a lot of study, which is a real good study in this, he was a eunuch. So he would have not been allowed into the temple and he would have been relegated to just being a God fearer. He couldn't even become a full fledged proselyte to the Judy, uh, 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 the Judaism, the Jewish religion. And so he was limited, very limited, but man, he was seeking God. He even acquired he even acquired some of Isaiah's scriptures, which would have been in that day almost unheard of for a Gentile to be able to, to acquire them. So he probably paid a large sum of money. And now here he is, here he is reading this. He's reading and he doesn't really understand what he's reading. And God, watch this. This is great too. Here's a man who is ready in DMD, we call this a pre-Christian. Say that with me. Pre-Christian. Pre-Christian. And what we do and what we need to do is say, Lord, lead me to somebody that's ready. Now, obviously, if we share the gospel enough and we share our story enough and we share our My Story tracks enough, we're going to run into people that's not ready. And they're not going to want to hear what we got to say. And that's fine. That's fine. We don't know who the ready is and who the not ready is, so we're just going to get them all. But we're going to run into one just like I did last week when that window opened. She said, I read your story. You know what? She was ready. God had already been dealing with her before I ever got to her. She was ready. And so this man is ready. And God led the ready sinner to the ready soul winner. Y'all see this? God's behind this whole thing. This is what's encouraging to me that I'm not in this thing by myself. I'm not working for God. I'm working with God. 
Because before I ever leave to go share, God's already there working on them to get them ready to hear what I got to share. Say amen. Amen. Anyway, watch this. So he jumps up in the chariot with him. He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He's reading Isaiah. And, 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 and this is what happens. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. This is verse 30. And he said, understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear. So open he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for this life? And by the way, keep in mind, I meant to say this earlier, but at that time, all they had was the Old Testament. But you know what Jesus said? If you'll read the scriptures, they are they which speak of me. So you can find Jesus all through the Old Testament, right? And that's what he's reading. The person he's talking about is Jesus. Verse 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So what did he do? He began to tell him the gospel. He began to tell him the gospel. Why is it so important to share the gospel? Now, I've been teaching you about sharing your story. I've been telling you, you have a story, right? But we don't stop there. We don't stop there. The reason you share your story is so you can get to God's story. Your story is about a God who came and saved and changed you. God's story is how God can change them too. What did Paul say? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It is the power of God. It is the power to save. The gospel is where the power is. You have a power for story, but your story doesn't have the power to save. It requires the gospel. Somebody say amen. Amen. So he preached the gospel to him. I believe he shared it with him. I believe he shared about Jesus. I believe he shared about his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe he said, Mr. Eunuch, you're a sinner, sir. But thank God there is a savior. Mr. Eunuch, I was a sinner too. Matter of fact, we're all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. He will save you. If you forget, if you ask his forgiveness, he will save you. He came, he died, he rose again to pay for your sin debt, but he loves you so much. All you got to do is believe on him, confess your sin to him, and he will save somebody. Say amen. Amen. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? It's not complicated. We'll learn the verses. We'll learn the verses. And we'll talk about that in just a second too. But the gospel is simple. Remember, G-O-S-P-E-L. G, God made us to live with him. O, our sins separate us from God. Right? S, S, sin can never be taken away by good deeds. P, paying the price of sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone that puts their faith solely in him will have forgiveness and be saved and God will give them eternal life. I'm kind of adding to that, so don't, don't sweat that. L, life with Jesus begins today and lasts forever. Now, does that not cover everything? I know the Bible says that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but truly it's the whole story. Why was that even necessary? You got to understand that because you're a sinner. You're broken, Right? Romans 3, 23, Romans 6, 23, Romans 5, 8, Romans 10, 9, and 10. We need, to, we need to be able to share the gospel. We need to know the gospel. All right? Now, look at the next one. Look at the next one. 
All right. W. I. T. N. E. All right, we can do this fast. Let's go. Let's go. G O S P E L. All right. Let's let's do that. G O S P E L. And all God's people say it. All right. Now I need you to do me a favor. If you got a pen, uh, scratch out Isaiah 55 and put Isaiah 53 there. Had a little typo right there. Isaiah 53. <clears throat> okay, write this down. S scriptures must be used. Must be used. You remember what I said? Your story is powerful. But it's the gospel, it's the scriptures that has the power to save. Your your story may have the power to draw somebody to the story. But it is only the scriptures that have the power to save. Where do you find this? It says, Acts 8.35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same what? Say it with me. Began at the same scripture. Look at what it says in Romans 10.17. So then faith cometh by hearing. And what do you got to hear? The. All right. For by grace are you saved through. Faith comes by hearing the. Are y'all with me? So we got to know the scriptures. We got to know the scriptures. I would encourage you. Memorize them. Memorize them. It's not hard. We can do it. it. But if you can't, you say, preacher, my brain's fried. I'll never be able to memorize them. Get you a little, write it down on a postcard, or not a postcard, what do you call that? Index card, card, three by five card. There are, listen, we can order, we can order the plan of salvation on a little card that you can fit in your wallet. We did that in Bondo Church one night. I was out of town and there was somebody under conviction and needed to know how to be saved. And they couldn't get a hold of me because I was way, way out of town. My phone wasn't working. And one of them remembered, hey, I got the card here. And guess what? They led him to Christ by that card. They went down the verses. They went down. You know why? The power ain't in the preacher. It's in them scriptures. And all God's people see it. So, so, S, scriptures must be used. There is power in the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, Philip didn't tell him his opinion. He went right to the scriptures. He went right to the script. And what's so cool about this, whatever scripture he was in, he could preach Jesus. (laughs) That's great. All right, let's go. W. Everybody together. I. T. N. E. S. Okay, the next S is share Jesus. Share Jesus. Acts 8.35. Acts 8.35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and and now watch this. This is so important. This is so important. Look what it says in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other 
name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Why is it so important to preach unto them Jesus? Do you remember what we said Sunday? Remember what we said Sunday? What is the message? We said there's a, there's a, uh, a man, a uh, 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 mission, and a message. You remember? With the demoniac, remember? It was just a couple days ago, people. Y'all remember? The message was two things, right? What happened? Say it with me. And what was the next one? Come on. Who did it? Who did? That's the most important thing. What happened is my life changed. What happened is I used to feel empty. What happened is I used to be afraid. But then I met Jesus. And Jesus came into my life. And now I'm no longer empty. I'm no longer afraid. And you know why? Because of. Why is this so important? It, it so irritates me. It so irritates me. I hear people say, I tell y'all what. Church changed my life. No, it didn't. Church don't have the ability to change your life. Jesus changed your life. Now, why is that so? You preacher, you know, tomato, tomato, you know what we mean. Well, let me, let me tell you why that's bad. Let me tell you why that's bad. Because there are people that have gone to church. And it wasn't necessarily good churches. And they were stuck up people. They, the first time they ever been there, nobody said nothing to them. And the preacher didn't preach anything but the gospel. And in their mind, I went to church. And it didn't change me. But I assure you, if any man gets to Christ... If any man meets Jesus, he will be changed. You can go to church and not be changed, but you can't get to Christ and not be changed. Do y'all see where I'm going with this? And I'm seeing this more and more. Travis, I'm telling you, this is coming up over and over again. I think the first time it really hit home with me is when we were sharing, me and Cesar, we were talking about uh, when we're witnessing to a lot of the Hispanic community, the majority of the Hispanic community is Catholic. And that is their background, Catholic. And if you invite them to church, they say, what church? And if you say Baptist, that's it. And, and it's the same way. It's the same way up north in a lot of like the areas of New Jersey. Brother Dan Brindley said the majority of the people in New Jersey have a real heavy, heavy Catholic background. And if you invite them to a Baptist church, they'll kick you out their yard. So, you know what? It was like immediately when we when I, I just heard that immediately, the Holy Spirit said, don't invite them to church. Invite them to Christ. Invite them to Christ. And so that really began to stir in my spirit. And then I begin to think, how, many, how often do we, you know, we, we talk more about church than we do Christ. We tell people, you really need to get in. But we never say anything about Christ. It wasn't church that changed me. It wasn't baptism that changed me. It wasn't religion that changed me. It wasn't good deeds that changed me. I had a ton of the Bible memorized, but it didn't change me. But when I met Jesus... That changed me. So you got to preach Jesus. 
Don't preach Baptist. Don't preach Methodist. Don't preach Lutheran. Don't preach Catholic. Preach Jesus. Don't preach morals. Don't preach good deeds. Don't preach rededication. Preach Jesus. If we can get people to Jesus, he'll change everything. He started at the same scripture he was at and preached to him Jesus. Jesus. And all God's people say it. All right. W. I. T. N. E. S. S. E. Emphasize commitment. Emphasize commitment. Look what he says. In verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? I like what Philip does. He said, let's not get our heart. Let's not get our horse in front of the car. No, cart. Y'all know what I mean. Don't, (laughs) I got to get this right. Don't get the cart ahead of the horse. He, we can be baptized. He said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. He says, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. What is he doing right here? He's emphasizing commitment. He's saying, listen, it ain't the water. It's what you do with your heart. What does he say in Romans 10? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? If thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, right? Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, what you say with your mouth is only what you're doing with your heart. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And so he's, hey. Yeah, you can be baptized, but it's a hard, let's let's talk about your heart first. You believe with all of your heart. And you know what he said? I believe, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Are y'all with me? Look what it says. Look what it says. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, read it with me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Romans 10, 9 through 11, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, watch this, watch this, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You committed? You all in? Emphasize commitment. Lastly, we got it, we got it. All right, we got time. We got time. Now, I need, it, I, I need y'all to be together this time. Okay, you ready? W. W. I. T. N. E. S. S. E. S. There needs to be systematic follow-up. We can't leave them hanging, guys. 
systematic follow-up. Baptize. Acts 8.38. Acts 8.38. And, and let, me, let me help you because some of y'all are frustrated because I'm making you read this off all the time. This is going to help you remember it. I have found out in my own personal studies, after I've read a verse 50 times to, to study it, to preach to you guys, I've got it memorized. And I didn't even try to memorize it. But I, it was so repetitive, I read it so many times, it stuck. And see, when you do this, you're going through your eye gate. You're going through your eye gate and your ears. You're, you're hearing it and you're seeing it. Because I want you to get this. So don't ever be frustrated because we review it over and over. Because the more you hear it, the more you say it, the more you remember it. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Now. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he. Now watch this. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. What's the first word? Go. Go. What did the Holy Spirit tell Philip to do in the very beginning of this thing? Go. You see, if you was looking at a map, if you was looking at a map of, of Israel, Samaria would be way up here. Jerusalem would kind of be in the middle and Gaza is down here on the coast, way down here in the south. And the road from Jerusalem in the middle down to Gaza, somewhere in that area right there is where he met him. So he had to leave way up here in Samaria where it was revival going on to go down to a stinking desert. In the word south there, where it says go down south, obviously he went south. But you know that word can be translated could be translated midday or noon. What does that mean? There's a great possibility that God told him this, the hour to be there and where to be. And think about this. In a desert, at midday, you ain't on the road. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I just got to tell you this because it's so important. Philip just heard from the Lord to go into the middle of nowhere in the middle of day when nobody's there but didn't even tell him why. And he found out when he got there. What's the point, preacher? The point is this. That person sitting at that bench right there when you go to walk by and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to stop and talk to him. It may not make any sense to you at the time. But you have no idea what God has been doing behind the scenes, getting him ready to bring you together for a divine appointment. Now, I know it don't make sense to leave a place where God's just saving people like crazy. And to bring you in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the heat for one individual. But many, many fathers, many older church fathers, like first century fathers of the church, believe that most of the gospel got to the continent of Africa through this man. So God's always up to something. Y'all with me? So the first word to the Great Commission is, did Philip go? Yes, he did. What does it say? Read it to me. Read it to me. All right, the first word teach. The first word teach means make disciples. 
Make disciples. It means develop pupils, make pupils, make disciples, which basically means to win them. Win them to Christ. Give them the gospel. Win them to Christ. Make a disciple out of them. And then it says this. What else does it say? Baptize them. So are we through with them? Are we through with them when we share the gospel with them? Are we through with them once they believe the gospel? What do we need to do? Say it with me. Follow up. Lead them to baptism. Teach them about baptism. Help them understand what that means. And then keep reading. Okay, let's back up. All together, go to, teach all nations, baptizing them. And, okay, that's, a, that's another word, same English word, but it's a different Greek word. That means to develop. It means to give information. In other words, once you've shared the gospel, once you've gone, once you've gone, you've shared the gospel, they believe the gospel, you teach them about baptism, what that means. They come and they are baptized. And then, then you teach them whatsoever things I have. What did he command you to? Uh-huh. Now guess what? There's no way that we're going to be able to teach someone to go unless we go first. Say this with me in the red, but it's okay. Look at me. Go ahead and fold your papers. You're dying to do it. Go ahead. Fold them up. Look at me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Say this real loud. Each one. one. No, like a pep rally, y'all. Come on. Loud. Y'all want to go? Okay. Each one. one. Reach one. one. Teach one. one. Each one. one. Reach one. one. Teach one. We're developing an army, y'all. We're going to do this, but we ain't going to march. How about it? This will be our chant. Each one, reach one, teach one. We should do this. We should do this at least once a year. Some of y'all, I'd be tickled if you did it one time before you died. You know what? The, 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 the average... The average is over 90% of Christians that claim to be born again will never share their faith with a single person before they die. And we wonder why our country is on fire. Make it a point. Say, God, let's... By the way, you can't take a Cadillac to heaven. You can't take money to heaven. But you can take somebody. Amen. 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 Let's stand. Let's stand. Man, I like the way that sounds. Let's try that one more time. Each one. Each one. Reach one. Reach one. Teach one. Teach one. Now, see, y'all got it down. So when I do this Sunday, y'all need to speak up. And all God's people say it.